Welcome to the Fishers of Men podcast, brought to you by us at So Much. I'm Mary Ashley Burton. I'm Laura Samara Sams. This podcast is about relationships and your walk with Jesus. It's about the true stories of Christian men and women's struggles with chastity, sex, marriage, and relationships in a post-Christian culture. Okay, welcome back to the Fishers of Men podcast. I am Mary Ashley Burton, and today I am so excited for this guest. This is our first international interview, which is so amazing. I'm talking today with Anna Hitchings, who is in Australia. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) How are you going? (laughs) Nice to be here. Yay, I'm so happy to have you. Um, Thank you. I became aware of you and your work because you went a little Catholic viral. Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) It was amazing. I saw actually a lot of people, in fact, including people that I wasn't expecting um, that were sharing your article. So can you uh, explain a little bit about what it was that you wrote? And then we can talk about why it caught on. So yeah, um, the way that it did. (laughs) <laughs> well, maybe you can help me with that part because I'm still scratching my head about it. But um, <laughs> like, did you want me to sort of explain why I sort of wrote it in the first place or just explain what I wrote? Yeah, explain why you wrote it. And then I expect that that will yeah. lead into. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so <laughs> basically, um, I was, it was actually, I was on a hike with one of my good friends and um, it was one of these like five or six day long hikes. And so there's a lot of time to chat. And we were both. Um, one day we were both just talking about a mutual friend of ours, a girl that we both knew who had very recently um, basically kind of gone off the rails a little bit, like she'd been seeing a guy for a very short amount of time and then had just suddenly decided to marry him outside the church. And um, and this was a girl who was very devout Catholic, like we'd both known her for years, and we were just talking about just how crazy this was that this had happened. And I was saying to my friend, oh, you know, this isn't even the first time, like this is actually the third person I know who's, who's kind of done something like this you know he's sort of um who kind of let seem to seemingly let that desperation to get married sort of overcome their better judgment I guess and so we were talking about we just had this huge giant conversation about the whole thing you know because we're both Catholics and you know obviously it's a, of concern to us because we both really want to get married too she's single and I'm single and um but we were kind of discussing like what is it like what what is that thing what does make people like what is it that makes women um so desperate you know i mean it seems to us as we were talking about it that there is just this new level of desperation that seems to exist yeah. that didn't really i don't know if it really has existed before because i've never really heard about anything like this happening kind of so frequently like this is about three different people that i just know myself in about as many years. And as we were talking, I was just kind of feeling this sort of buzzing, I guess you could say, inside of me, just this urge of this is kind of like prompting, I guess, of I really feel like I should write something about this. Like I really feel like people aren't talking about this. And um, people don't understand, I think, a lot of the time, the sort of struggle that a lot of women in our situation in our late 20s, early 30s are actually going through. And maybe if there was more of an understanding and more support out there, maybe this these kinds of situations wouldn't be happening. I don't know. But I mean, it was, it, and I said to my friend at the time, like, you know, I really, I'm really feeling that I should be, I should write something about this. And she said, you, you definitely should. 
So, you know, a couple of weeks later, I just sort of smashed something out of my computer at home over a couple of days. So, I mean, just a bit of background about me. I'm, I'm a journalist by trade and I'm working sort of as a media officer now, but um, but I do a lot of, I've done a lot of writing for my job. So I wrote this article and I I, um, I, I send it around to probably about a dozen different people, um, including um, some men, lots of my friends, family members, just to sort of see what people thought, get everyone's feedback um, and just to, yes, see how it resonated or if it resonated with other people and and what they thought about it. And I got a lot of really positive feedback for that. And uh, then I basically just pitched it to um, our local Catholic newspaper in Sydney, which is called the Catholic Weekly. And I was, it was really one of those funny conversations where I was thinking, gosh, I've really got to sell this because it just (laughs) <laughs> who would print something like this? It just seems like such a random thing to, to print. Um, and I was and I was explaining it to the editor and almost straight away, he said, oh, no, I'm really glad to hear you're writing about something like this. Like I, I've been wishing that someone would write something. You know, I've, he said, I, <laughs> this was a problem when my wife and I got married like 20, 30 years ago. Like, you know, and I think it was bad then. And it's so much worse now. So, no, I'd love to publish it. So he was really positive, which was great. And, yeah, I guess. And then it went to print about a week or two later and the rest is history. <laughs> yeah, so uh let's talk about what you actually say in the article. So basically you're saying that there are just like no men. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's yeah, I mean, obviously I'm speaking a little hyperbolically there, but I mean this is yeah. you know this is the sort of situation that a lot of uh, look, I mean I should I feel like I should point out I didn't when I wrote the article, I didn't think that I was saying anything super shocking. Like it just seemed fairly innocuous to me because this is like it's such a done conversation. It's like the it's like the foundation upon which all other conversations lie amongst my social circle of other um, Catholic women who are in the same position as me. And not right. all of my friends are unmarried. I should say, like I have quite a few friends who, who are married, but it's not just my friends either. But it's people. It's other women we're constantly meeting. It just it just seems to be like a thing, you know. Like women are just getting married later and later these days, inside the church and out of it. But they're um, but there is this general consensus that it's really rare that you meet a guy who is, um, who's kind of normal and worldly, uh, but he's also devout and actually has a commitment to the faith and goes to, goes to mass on Sundays. Um, and like, and then, like I said, I, I thought that was a fairly innocuous statement because that's just, it is just the case. It's just a, it's just a fact of observation. And I think that everyone knows um, that this is kind of one of the reasons why it is just so tough for, for women in our situation to really find people. Cause a lot of the men that you meet are, I mean, if they're really, really devout, um, they can tend to be a little intense or, um, mm-hmm. just kind of, I mean, you know, there was a bit of controversy <laughs> a bit um, yeah. <laughs> around that, that term that I use, which was very like, which was by no means perfect. I use the term worldly wise, which was really, uh, to me, um, just a way of trying to sort of uh, define kind of what I meant when, when my friends and I use the word like normal, which is, you know, can be very misinterpreted on paper as yeah, worldly wise as, as I discovered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was so funny because I agree with you. I mean, the perspective of your article, I feel like I could have written it myself. I mean, and it's just yeah, like a, a take it for granted. Well, yeah, exactly. Fact. Yeah, that it's like, uh, this is what so many young women are saying and even some of my guy friends too that are married like they also sort of recognize this problem but apparently yeah. people got 
really, really mad when you said worldly wise because people were like, we should be in the world and not of it and blah, blah, blah. And what does that even mean? And, yeah, you know, but, <laughs> I mean, I, I understood what you meant, but can you elaborate a little bit more yeah, on like sure. the qualities that make a normal person? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it seems so bizarre to be having to define what I mean by normal, but I guess this is kind of a reflection on the, the state that, that we're in as a church. I mean, uh, look, I, I, I didn't really mean much by it. I was quite astonished at just how many different interpretations or I should say misinterpretations of that term that end up out there like people were saying I was up to someone who makes like a six-figure salary looks like Brad Pitt you know um and like is there to attend to my every want and need and all of this stuff where I was just like where did that <laughs> even come from like That's, I didn't even hear that any of that sounds like a it lot of projection to <laughs> it was a lot yeah I suspect that was the, like that this is the thing you know I mean I can't get like people there has been a, quite a bit of vitriol I can't I've been trying very hard to not take that too personally because I think that at the end of the day you know I think that some people are not really understanding what I'm actually saying and and maybe they've got their own past experiences that are kind of projecting onto my words and, and to my experience. So basically, I mean, really, it's kind of simple. Like all I meant was when, when I say like we don't often meet men who are worldly wise in the church, uh, I really just mean um, men who can kind of meet us where we're at with just honestly just really basic social skills. And that honestly just means being able to have a normal, mature conversation like you'd be amazed, um, well, maybe you wouldn't. Be, I would not be. Listeners might be amazed. <laughs> yeah. At just how rare it actually is to come across someone who I can just have a just like a natural conversation with, um, like you know that might even that might involve elements of just popular culture. It's uh, yeah. It, it's it's actually very very difficult to even kind of connect with um, a lot of men in the church um, who are our age. This is, and I'm not saying whether this is right or wrong. This is just the experience of me and tons and tons and tons of women that I know and speak to. And um, I mean, what I, so I, I've since, you know, had a chance to clarify what I wrote about that in my original article um, by just saying what, what we're really, like, we're not asking for the world, like what we as women really are just asking for, what we're saying is so lacking is just men who we meet who have, who share our values and who we share a mutual attraction with. I mean, that's really it. Those two things, like that's really what it boils down to. Yeah. And at the end of the day, unfortunately, when it, when push comes to shove, if women put themselves in a position where they allow push to come to shove, maybe I should say, women will always choose attraction over shared values yeah like you're going to choose someone that you actually are attracted to who you have to share a connection with even if they don't share your values and I guess my concern when what prompted me to want to write this article in the first place was seeing how that kind of strong desire to find someone to have a you can share a connection with it can become so powerful that it can actually lead some women to go so far as to um, let go of all their own values and to actually kind of turn their back on God even. Um, and that's kind of my concern. And, uh, and this is a reality. Like mm -hmm. it's actually happening. I know people it's happened to. And there's a reason that it's happened. To, like, for people to sort of say, oh, you're just exaggerating. Oh, there's not really a problem there. Well, I just don't think that's a really helpful response because it certainly seems to be the case with these women who felt desperate enough to sort of, you know, um, abandon the church just so they could get married or so they could be with some guy. And I think that the response, and I don't really even know what the response is. I mean, my whole object in writing this was really twofold. One was to start a conversation that I felt just wasn't being had. And two was to kind of share my own struggles to give hope 
to other women out there who are in the same position as me and just to remind them that at the end of the day, um, there are things that are more important than marriage and, and men and that's your faith and, you know, where you end up after you die and, and, um, and our relationship with God is so important. And I think it can be easy to lose sight of that when you just so desperately want to get married. And I get that. I totally get that. Yeah. But that's what I wanted to draw attention to. Yeah, no, totally. It, it, it caused me to think a lot about sort of what is actually happening in these conversations like that I'm having with my friends or like, what is it that we're actually meaning? And I started thinking about guys that I've gone on dates with that aren't Catholic and like what has been really different about it. And sometimes those dates have ended in like tragedy. Um, But sometimes (laughs) one thing that has been good and refreshing uh, is that it's, the non-Catholic guys that are actually more honest and more upfront and they're, they're the ones for me that will actually like, you know, like you, like you said, you can actually have a conversation. Yeah. You don't have to just talk about Catholicism, <laughs> yeah. which with Catholic guys often it it's, it's kind of devolves into that. Like, okay, so where yeah. have you been on pilgrimage? And like, like, what do you think about what Aquinas said in that part of the summer? And it's like, oh my gosh, can we just talk about maybe right. like the Simpsons or something for a minute? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not that I don't love Aquinas, but you know what I mean? Right. It's like, just like first date banter, you know, is yeah. not, or, or like oftentimes too, Catholic guys will come in with an agenda, you know, like they're looking at you like, like you're a piece of meat or, or like something that they're the considering purchasing. The wife that I am looking for. Yeah. yeah. Like I literally know men who have, like, I'm not even joking, who have gone from one woman to the next, sometimes in the same room of, you know, hello, my name's Bob Blah. Would you like to go out with me? Oh, no. Okay. Move on to the next person. Hello, my name's Bob. I'm not even joking. I've literally seen this happen. And I mean, that's maybe a bit rare, but that's apart from anything else, that's like, that's really unflattering as a woman that you're really just a potential, you know, quote unquote Catholic wife. Like, does she fulfill that template for me? And, and, and I think this all comes into what I mean when I say lacking social skills and being kind of not worldly wise, because that's just not normal. Like that's not how you treat people. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And like even in Victorian times, because my parents are Civil War reenactors, so I, uh, uh-huh. which is, <laughs> which is Victorian times for the US. Um, so I like actually learn a lot about etiquette and stuff. But even then, like if you were going to ask someone to dance and like she turns you down, you don't turn to her friend sitting beside her and say, well, would you like to dance? Because no one wants to feel like they're the second choice. Yeah, <laughs> You know, and so, <laughs> that, I mean, I don't know. It, it, it's, I guess, I guess, obviously, like our sense of etiquette is gone. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, and this is another thing I think that came up. Like I wasn't attempting, I think some people really misunderstood where, what I was trying to achieve by writing what I did. I mean, I, I, like people, I saw in a lot of comments, people saying, oh, but you know, this is the problem because, you know, radical feminism and, and this and that. And I'm yeah. sitting there going, yeah, okay, fine, great, sure, why not? Like, I agree. I, I'm not disputing any of that. I wasn't saying yeah. to explain why we're in the situation we're in. All I'm saying is that this is happening. And I think one response that has really been key for me that I've been getting from a lot of women and why I think it actually did cause such a stir. One of the reasons why it caused such a stir was because I basically said out loud or in public what has been the substance of, you know, countless private conversations, but that no one has actually come out and acknowledged publicly. 
And I think that mm-hmm. that is probably why it caused such a stir. Yeah. And I think too, I, I think that's definitely a huge part of it. And I think too, though, like anything that can be remotely seen as criticizing men puts men on the defensive in yeah. such a huge way. And that was a really crazy thing for me because I'm very pro-men. Like, like some of the commenters yeah. who said, oh, she's just an anti-man feminist. Like I wear a mantilla to mass. Like, hello, I am not a feminist. <laughs> um, but it, it, that was really astonishing to me because I was, I thought that, you know, I'm not blaming men. I mean, if anything, I was really blaming the culture and the society and, and yeah. it's kind of led us to where we are. I think that um, I just think that it's just harder and it's um, for, for men to be faithful in this world. I mean, we're, we're so saturated in like pornography and, um, and, you know, and this sort of whole contraceptive mentality, which has just affected the way all of us really interact with each other. I mean, there's like a multi, that's what I was saying before. Like there's just, there are so many, it's a multifaceted um, issue. There are so many reasons why we're in the situation we are in today. And there's a lot yeah. there to be discussed. But I guess that wasn't my sort of chief concern is sort of explaining why we're, we are where we are. And I certainly wasn't trying to blame men. All I was saying is that we need more of them, really. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, it, it's interesting, though, because kind of going back to this, what I've experienced with non-Catholics versus Catholics is, well, like what we were saying before, the Catholic guy often will enter sort of with an agenda and very fixed ideas about what he's looking for. Mm. Whereas non-Catholic guys seem to be a little bit more open to getting to know me as a person. Yeah, yeah. No, I've heard this from lots of other people as well. Yeah, not like coming in with a checklist of like, well, you've got to, you know, like I'll even get messages from Catholic guys sometimes like, well, you better like Jordan Peterson. And I'm like, excuse me, you don't even know me. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I love him, but no one should tell you what you should like. I mean, isn't that what we hate about the culture? Like we're told what our opinions should be. Yeah. Like, and it just sounds vaguely threatening too. And especially Mm. to someone you don't know at all, you know, and like also non-catholic guys i don't know in my experience ha- i don't i maybe it's just the type of guy i'm meeting but they <laughs> they don't get as defensive hmm. i mean i think that obviously there are so many wounds of around yeah. oh masculinity and manhood and like and i totally get that and understand that but i think it would serve Catholic guys who are single to kind of take a step back and not assume that every woman is trying to castrate you or whatever. Like- no, I know. I know. I could not agree more. And I'm serious. I think you really hit the nail on the head there. I mean, and I, I, I have a, an, an enormous amount of sympathy for how tough it must be to be a man in today's culture. Totally. On the yeah. one side, you're being told by like maybe women um, or the church, like, oh, you need to sort of man up. Like men need to take responsibility. And um, they need to be the ones who are leading. But on the other hand, they're terrified that if they do any of those things, they're going to be, like you say, kind of castrated or like lose um, their standing in society or just have something pretty dreadful happen to them because there are so, there's so much antagonism towards masculinity. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was talking to actually a couple of guys last night and they were saying, you know, one of them said, like, I would love to do a study to see how often the word masculinity is used in the media with the word toxic in front of it. Like, I, you know, I guarantee it would be probably more than half. Maybe even most times masculinity is, is used, the word toxic is, is, is paired with it. And I mean, I think that he had a point. I mean, that there, there is this awful demonization of masculinity. And 
Um, I mean, my personal my personal feeling is that I think all men um, should read, uh, you know, Wild at Heart by John Eldridge because I think that that really uh, confronts this whole issue really, really square square on, and I think that that has a lot of um, really good stuff to say. And similarly with women for the the the, the female side of things with captivating, but um, no, I think that it's so so tough for men these days, and I think that's probably why it doesn't manifest in very sometimes very unusual. Um, and uh, even kind of antisocial uh, dating behavior. I mean, I, mm. you know, just to give a couple of my experiences, uh, and, and I'm not saying these are terrible, terrible things, but I think they are indicative of the kind of problems that women like me are kind of dealing with when I talk about people who have, you know, kind of lacking in so- some social skills. Like, um, you know, like there was a guy I would see literally every single Sunday at Mass, and he asked me out over Facebook Messenger. I'm like, dude, just come and talk to me. You know, <laughs> you see me every single week. <laughs> you know, why? Like, I mean, I mean, I can understand it's scary and and all that, but I mean, like, you just, I don't know. If you want to actually ask me out, come and have a conversation with me. Like, do it naturally. Um, you know, don't don't feel like you need to hide behind a computer screen. Um, that, so there's little things like that. I mean, that's not as big a deal. But also, um, there was another guy who I, you know. He had asked me out. We'd known each other for like many years. I was not interested in him at all, but um, it's anything other than a friend. Uh, and I enjoyed having chats with him and it was fine. Um, and, but he once kind of asked me out, um, which I had a suspicion he'd been kind of building up towards for a long time. And, and I was like, well, look, he's, he's, you know, he's had the guts to ask me out. I mean, I don't think that I'm going to be interested, but I'll, I'll say yes and I'll go on a date with him. So I, so I, <laughs> now the pity date. <laughs> you know, it sounds really mean when I say it out loud like that, but it was one of those, no. like, I do have, I do, you know, I, I do have a, uh, like, I mean, I look, I'm just, I was just not interested. I just, there wasn't a connection there that I felt, I didn't feel there was any chemistry, but, um, but I, but I do respect how hard it is to ask a girl out. Yeah, I agree. And I've totally done that exact same thing where where I'm like, well, you know, I'm not I'm not really attracted to that person. But good for them for asking me out. Yeah. Yeah, Actually, like funny story. He kind of cornered me, to be quite honest, because I had like I had I um, like we were at a wedding and uh, the reception and I was having this giant rant about how men never ask girls to dance at things like weddings anymore. It's funny, I actually wrote a blog post about this recently. And then I was just thinking, gosh, it's, it's just, you know, just, even if you can't dance, just ask a girl out, you know, like, sorry, not ask, just ask her to dance, not ask her out, just ask her to dance, you know, it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. you know, she'll appreciate the fact that you've asked. Like, I don't even care if you can't dance. If you ask me, I really appreciate the fact that you've been ballsy enough to do that. And so I had this massive rant and it was specifically about dancing and not about dating. And the very next day he texts me and says, would you like to go on a date? And I was like, oh gosh, well, I can't say no. Can I? <laughs> I've just gone on about how if only they asked, if only they asked. Um, so he kind of cornered me into a date, which was kind of, you know, clever of him, I guess. It was kind of funny. But I was like, no, sure. So we had, you know, we had dinner and it was fine. And it was, but it was just like, you know, it was just kind of like a chat we'd have any other time. It wasn't, there was nothing particularly romantic or special about it. And I, you know, nothing really changed in my feelings. And so, um, and I just didn't see any potential there at all, really. And so uh, a couple of days later, he texted me and asked me if I wanted to go out again. And I just was, well, thank you, but no, or I would just like to continue to get to know you as a friend. And he not only did he not respond, he never, he, since that day, and this was about two or three years ago, has not even said hello to me or even been able to look me in the eye. Oh, wow. And I see this guy all the time, like at either at mass or at Catholic social events. And, uh, and the weird thing is he's not even the first person that's, that's been the case. Like I've, I've experienced that with, like I've experienced that with, 
with somebody else who also just couldn't bring themselves to even, you know, make eye contact because they just, I don't know. I mean, and it was just like, that's, that's not normal behavior. This was one day. I mean, I appreciate maybe he had been, you know, he had been building up to ask me out for a while, but like it was one date that it wasn't like we had this long involved relationship and I had kind of really burned him. And I was very nice about it as well. When I said that, you know, thank you. I appreciate it. I had a really nice time, but I would rather just be, you need to be friends or whatever. I just like, <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. This just, that's just not a normal response to something like that. Yeah. And, um, and I, this is, and this is just one of the many, many experiences I think that women in our situation are kind of like dealing with. And which is why I think that to your point, so many Catholic women are dating non-Catholic men just because they feel they can actually connect with them. And you're not going to date someone if you don't actually, if you can't form a connection with them, if you can't even have a conversation with them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And especially too, a lot of times with Catholic guys, I mean, a, a little bit of something that's kind of included in that connection is that in my experience, Catholic guys are so unwilling to just be up front and be like I like you and and then also be able to deal with those feelings well kind of like you said you know yeah it's not normal to totally avoid someone for years and not even make eye contact and I've experienced that too and it's like dude like can we just be cool like chill out (laughs) I don't hate you as a person like it just didn't work out like it's just the way it is yeah yeah, and it's nothing. It's really nothing personal. It's just you know. Well, it maybe not for us, but it probably is for them, which is I think what makes it hard. <laughs> well, I mean, because it's obviously it's not fun to be rejected. Right. Like, like we know that as women, we understand that, but we also have to be honest. Like, I'm not going to continue dating someone if I'm not attracted to them. I mean, if anything, that's kind of an insult to them. Like, why am I wasting their time? Exactly, because I've I've also had the Catholic like puppy dog guy like that doesn't isn't really good with boundaries and is like trying to basically beg me after I've said like, no, I'm sorry. Oh gosh, right. Which, which at that point, it's like <laughs> you know you need you also need some self respect and and I feel like the non Catholic guys that I've dated, it's like they are better able to just sort of deal with the reality of the situation they're up front they're they're it's very clear usually that you're on a date with them uh, rather than just like dancing around it for like six months um like catholic guys honestly like i i was uh reading a little bit about your blog which um you know we can give the full address and everything later but i was looking at what you you wrote this really interesting post about like well what are you actually looking for in a guy? And the number one thing was integrity. And I was like, man, you know, actually the Catholic guys that I've dated are the ones that have the least amount of integrity because the Catholic guys are the ones that like, will actually like straight up flirt and then totally deny it. Yeah. And you know, or they will say things that later they're like, no, I didn't say that. And I'm like, yeah, it's funny. Like I, I've heard of this kind of, yeah. I mean, I've kind of, I haven't experienced as much of that personally, but I certainly have a lot of friends who have. And in fact, I actually had um, a, a young woman who I'd never met before. She's from a different city to me in, in Australia, but she um, basically messaged me and was like, thank you so much for writing this. These are a bunch of my experiences. And I actually ended up sharing them on my blog. Um, and what was kind of, what was sort of surprising about that is that all of her experiences I've heard of before, like nothing was new, you know, like a guy would ask her out, 
um, and then kind of bring a bunch of friends along to the date without telling her. Oh. Or he would, or or she would have like a whole bunch of a series of really intense messages. Um, she would have a series of really intense messages from some guy, you know, demanding like, "Why haven't you responded? Why haven't you responded?" And on one of those dating sites. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, and I like none of this is that surprising, but also some of her experiences with um, Catholic men apparently were, um, you know, some Catholic men's group kind of, you know, basically trashing a women's group like in the same parish for no reason, or you know, making just sort of disparaging or kind of um, very superficial comments about other women's bodies, like in her presence, and just like mm-hmm. I think that I think a lot of this is just really symptomatic of the kind of world that we're living in. I think um, you know fatherlessness is a, is a huge issue, not just fatherlessness necessarily. I mean, but even just, um, not physically, but even just, you know, in, in homes, I think a lot of men aren't really given good examples mm-hmm. by their fathers good or models. They don't have a really good relationship with them. Yeah. Yeah. And so of course they're going to be more influenced and swayed by the culture. And there are just, I mean, the thing is at the end of the day, there are just less men in the church than women. I mean, there was a recent study on this in, um, in Sydney, um, apparently women now outnumber men nearly two to one in, in Sydney churches. Like that's, I mean, of, of course that's going to have an effect. Of course it's going to have an yeah. effect on the dating environment, I mean, apart from anything else. I mean, this is kind of why I was a bit surprised why people got really up in arms about some of the things I'd said because I just thought, well, this kind of makes sense. I mean, there are just going to be less men, there are less of them for a start. Um, and the ones that, that are there aren't necessarily going to be of marriageable age. And even, and, and also the, just the church just does seem to attract people who are a little bit more intense Yeah, for whatever reason. So it's not really surprising at all when you think about it, that women like you and me are kind of having difficulty finding men who are kind of marriageable. And I guess the problem is, um, a lot of the time, once you've been in the church, particularly once you've kind of you know, in Sydney, there's a fairly vibrant social scene, you know, in the Catholic world, like there's lots of events and stuff on all the time, which is really great, but you do tend to get to know everybody after a while. Yeah. And, um, and I think that that's something that people might, maybe not, might not understand. They're like, oh, you're just not looking hard enough, or you just should try looking somewhere else. It's like, well, maybe, maybe that would work for some people. It hasn't worked for me. And I mean, and I've been trying very actively to look for you know, for opportunities and, 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 and I'm open to meeting any man, not, I'm not just looking for Catholics. Like I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm open to dating Protestants or even people who don't have any faith at all. Um, but it is just really hard to find, first of all, it's hard to find, you know, people, I mean, even then, the, you, you know, like the relationship's always going to be fraught because you're inevitably going to be with someone in a fairly intimate relationship who you don't share a lot of fundamental values or beliefs with. Right. That's always going to have its own set of problems and challenges. I mean, ideally, of course, I think ideally all women in our situation would love to be with other Catholic with with other Catholics, but um but often they're just not meeting men who are kind of on the same level, you know, whether that's just socially or intellectually or when it comes to maturity or even just like basic just having a con- a connection like a romantic connection, just like a basic level of attraction. I don't mean physical attraction. I mean, you know, like just like a- attraction to, you know, each other's personalities. Yeah. Just intellectual. Yeah. And it, well, it's especially hard with relationships because you have values differences from the get go. I mean, like from day one, basically, like exactly. if you're d- dating just, a guy who is ex- magnifying those differences. Yeah. More. Yeah. Like, like, and, and you just can't get around it. Like, cause if you're dating a guy that expects sex on the third date, like, well what you know like <laughs> well that's not gonna go anywhere it's not gonna go anywhere I mean, he doesn't respect you yeah. he doesn't respect your belief and i'm not saying it can't work 
Uh, yeah, exactly. Like, because obviously, like, you know, there are men out there that that are respectful and that would be willing to wait. But like that, that's, I guess, the flip side of the coin. Like all my bad experiences with Catholic men is like my bad experiences with secular guys. It's like the first date becomes mm. all about like, OK, so what are you willing to do and how far have you gone? <laughs> and I'm like, could you could <laughs> we, like talk about anything else? Like. <laughs> I know. And I think that, but I think that even that is kind of a, it's kind of a pretty immediate sign, but the thing is more and more men are like that. And why wouldn't they be? I mean, look at the culture we're in, like, you know, we're, it's it's funny how, you know, a lot of the effects of, 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 um, of radical feminism when, you know, when it comes to, you know, contraception or abortion on demand, these things ultimately kind of, you know, quote unquote benefit men ultimately more than they do women. I mean, really men are the one, men are the ones who are kind of able to sort of have um, sex fairly um, responsibility free these days because mm-hmm. if contraception doesn't work, then you can just take it to an abortion clinic. I mean, um, I mean, luckily that doesn't happen so much in or, or hopefully at all, really, um, in in the sort of church circles that you and I are, are are in. But that is kind of, but I mean, because that's the mentality in the world, like it's actually already going to make it much more difficult to find any man in the world who you know who's not in the church, but who's actually going to respect that you don't follow the path that you know 99% of the other women will so we're already at a disadvantage being Christians mm-hmm. and Catholics yeah um with men and so it, it like it's so it, it's you're kind of looking for a diamond in the rough oftentimes it feels and I mean it happens and it definitely happens and I think that part of what can help is being in situations where you are with other like-minded people um I certainly know at the um like the liberal arts college that I used to attend and now work at um a lot of people ended up getting married because you're more likely to meet someone who is like-minded and who you can share a connection with and who shares your beliefs. And I, and I think it's fantastic. And I, I, I feel, you know, really happy for my friends who have been fortunate enough to meet men that they share all that stuff with. But for myself and for a lot of my other friends and a lot of other women I speak to and, and, and hear from, that's just, they just haven't been that lucky. And it really feels like it's kind of luck of the draw sometimes. Yeah. Exactly. Because at a certain point, you're like, well, where else am I gonna go? (laughs) Because I I, Yeah, like, do I, I feel similar to you? Well, because yeah, in LA, you would think, well, one of the reasons I moved to LA is because uh, I used to live in Kentucky, which is in the southern US. And basically, everybody's married by 25. And I wasn't. And so I was like, well, in LA, there'll be a lot more single people. And then I moved here. And and yeah, there are a lot of single people. But it, in terms of being in the church, there really aren't that many. No, and you know, so like when like a, a guy walks in and he's, you know, he's just very like normal looking. I don't know how else to say it. <laughs> um, and no one's, it's like all of the female heads in the chest go, oh like, my gosh. And there's the swarm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. One of my friends was at this event and she was talking to the guy, this guy who like, like you say, I mean, she was like, oh my gosh, like he's normal. And I like, had gone to Catholic school, but just, just seemed like really cool, like a cool Catholic musician guy. And she was talking to him and this woman came up and interrupted their conversation. She was like, excuse me, I just have to tell you, you look so much like Jesus. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, Whoa. <laughs> the thirst is so real. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh, that's so embarrassing. Yeah, but I mean, it, and I wish you pointed that out. Actually, I mean, they're like for for all the like we're not trying. I'm sure, and I'm sure that you, like your listeners, know we're not trying to trash men here. We're right. really just speaking about our experiences. But there are some very odd women in the church as well. It's not just men. Yeah, um, unfortunately, it does seem to be mostly men, but it's not. Just but men. but yeah, it's it's affecting us on both sides, and to some extent, I think it seems like a vicious cycle. Um, you know, like mm. men have bad experiences and they become even more bitter or angry yeah. or or spiteful sure. or and and it's like when I go out with a guy, even even if he seems to be really nice on the surface, like you can really tell if there's an underlying bitterness or anger or something, especially against women. Oh, yeah it it really like kind of shows through and then it's just like and it's the same thing and then for they're women with enemy because it's just perpetuating that and then, exactly and then because women sense that they're not going to be attracted by that and then that kind of just it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy for them yeah like, oh, well, exactly she's rigid and you know and like whatever just like all the rest right so they're not really helping themselves either but one thing I mean I will say I have gotten a lot of correspondence as you can imagine a lot of mm-hmm. correspondence from men and women but Funnily enough, and particularly since I began my, my blog, uh, mostly men have reached out to me. Um, I've had actually probably about, I think, 70% of the emails that I've received have been from, from men. And the vast majority of them have been, have been really kind of supportive and positive, which is awesome. Um, but, what, but, but what's been really nice about this whole experience, I guess, is that I've been able to sort of see the other side of the coin because a lot of them have been sharing their experiences. And a lot of them, particularly the ones from your country, from the US, have been, uh, have like one thing that seems to come up a lot is they say that a lot of the women they meet, and I don't know if they mean in the church or outside of the church, but they just say a lot of the women they meet are just super focused on career and mm-hmm. or your salary, or if you're a tradie, like, um, like, sorry, a tradesman, that's what we call here in Australia. <laughs> tradie. Um, <laughs> everything ends with E. If you, in case you ever want to speak like Aussie slang, uh, like um, that, that's a turnoff. Uh, and I think that there is definitely some truth to that. Here. And I'm not sure if this is a sort of a distinction between American dating culture and Australian dating culture because, you know, I was really quite surprised initially when a lot of people were accusing me of just being after a man who has a lot of money because I'm, I'm genuinely not. But I also just I didn't understand how what, I, the, what, what I'd said could be interpreted that way. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought, again, that's just probably just projection from maybe men who have been rejected by women who are interested in money. But because that's come up so many times, it has made, led me to think that maybe this is like a cultural thing to some extent as well. Um, because yeah. to be honest, I mean, not just me, but quite literally none of my friends or any of the women that I've talked to or that I'm talking about, speaking on behalf of, would uh, <laughs> would refuse to marry a man based on his salary. Like none of us are actually really, like there's just that's just not really an issue. Like it's not really a factor. Like obviously you'd like a man who has a job because you want the security of knowing that you can be taken care of. But it's kind of amazing to me how often that has come up. Like I'm like, gosh, I really, I really don't care about salary. Like I really, really yeah. don't. Like it would be nice. I'm not gonna lie. Of course it would be nice, but it's not what I'm looking for. And if I found, and I mean honestly, like in my own experience. I was, you know, several years ago, I was quite ready to marry someone um, who didn't even have a job. And, uh, and meanwhile, other men who make probably double what I make um, have asked me out and I just haven't been interested. It's just it's not on my radar. And I don't know what that's like from your perspective as an American, but that does seem to be something that have, um, has come up for me. 
it's it's weird because I hear my guy friends complaining that that's what women are out for, and then like, uh, yeah, like I've even had guy fr- like, or I'll see on dating profiles that say like, um, like I'm not your sugar daddy or whatever, or or like, or like one of my guy <laughs> friends just said recently like he he had barely met someone on a dating app, and the girl was already asking for like a ride to the airport and. And oh, stuff. So God. I guess it does exist, but in terms of me and everybody that I know, you know, and so I, oh. I don't know if it's totally, yeah. like, n- like that's they've been rejected because of that, and so now it's like such a trigger for them that they like project or assume. Just the team, everyone saying that. Yeah, I mean, it, it has surprised me that it has come up a lot about like, oh, women are only interested in your salary, and and maybe some women are for sure. I mean, that would kind of surprise me if that was the case in the church, but. I, that's just not that's just not my experience and that's and that's not what I was saying at all and it certainly is not um the case for any of the women I was speaking on behalf of like I said but like I mean I think that there are definitely things that could help um sort of maybe with some of the issues I mean at the end of the day I think there I think the number of women who are church going and want to get married I think just kind of outnumber um the number of men in the same situation yeah if you're looking at the statistics and stuff but I mean I just I recently actually had uh, I have you know, this person doesn't mind me sharing this, but I did recently have a, um, someone actually sent me a, um, an email. Um, and he actually lives in Melbourne, um, which is a, you know, a, a different city to the South of where I live in Sydney. And, and basically he was sort of reaching out saying, you know, would you like to sort of get to know each other? You know, I'm kind of in the same situation as you, you know, I can't find anyone, um, who, any, I can't find any uh, Catholic woman who sounds like you and, and what you're seeking in a man. And, that really took me by surprise because a lot of my friends live in Melbourne. Like a lot of them, the ones who are single, like majoritively, I would say live in, live in the same city. And I was, and I asked around like, Oh, have any of you heard of this guy? And none of them had even have had, had ever met him. They'd never met him at any of the events. They'd never seen him at church or anything Mm -hmm. like that. And so part of me, that made me think maybe part of the problem, it's obviously not the entirety of the problem, but perhaps part of the problem is that we're not just, maybe we're not meeting each other because people are not, kind of going to the same things maybe maybe some people are just maybe not making as much of an effort to kind of go and socialize where they might meet other catholics or maybe they just i don't know if i want to be suggesting that people should shop around different parishes looking for a spouse because i don't think that's why you should go to mass but maybe maybe but maybe there does need to be some sort of widening of your social circle uh, to some extent because like that was quite a surprise to me and um and i'm sure and it's funny how like sometimes you'll meet men and you're like oh where have you been all this time? And some, and often they'll tend to be like, well, they're a recent convert or um, maybe they've been living mm-hmm. somewhere else or they've just decided to start going. They just move. Because they're definitely out there, but they're just very few and far between and it's very hard to find them and meet them, I think. I don't know if any of that kind of is part of your experience, but that's something, yeah. No, totally, 100%. And that's what I've been saying for a while now is like I wish that there were more activities that were organized, yeah. but that also weren't awkward because <laughs> – my experience with a lot of organized church activities i mean like i've even driven like two hours to go to like salsa night Uh, um, just to see like you know i might as well go and it was still just like because it's it's kind of like what do you call like selection bias or like the kind of person that goes to a church event it you know is that's so true so I was like, well, I I don't know exactly what kind of events 
we could organize that would be uh, yeah it's it's funny cool. I can't... that would be cool <laughs> enough for the cool people to come out I don't I don't know. Know. maybe it is just like luck of the draw again I have had I mean just I mean I, I have had a lot of older particularly older men actually um reach out to me and tell me that they think it's such a shame that you know things like social dances and just sort of inter-parish events that used to be the yeah. norm when they were growing up in like maybe like the 50s and 60s exactly are just not the case and like they just don't happen anymore I think there's particularly just in the last 40 50 years of the church there have been a lot there's been a lot of fracturing of that sort of communal atmosphere and um I, and I think that's a terrible terrible shame and I, I you know I really wish that there were more opportunities like that and in fact, I did speak to my my um, my parish priest recently about you know creating some sort of inter parish um, uh, activity, whether that's a sports game like you know like a, a soccer match or um, or cricket or just you know maybe like you know different parishes can compete against each other or like a communal some sort of communal event, whether that's a, a social dance or even just like a picnic. Or I mean, I would like to sort of start seeing parishes particularly if there are parishes that wouldn't normally connect with each other, um, actually begin to start doing that. And I'm not saying that's going to solve the problem. I don't think any one thing will solve the problem. I keep coming back to this. Like there's no simple solution to this problem. It's just too big yeah. and there's too many reasons contributing to it. But I think that there are things that we could do that would really help. And, I mean, of course, the onus really is on people to actually go to these events. And, of course, for there being people <laughs> who, are light, who are actually you know, going to be able to go, uh, who are either in the church or you know in a position to hear about it and in a position to actually want to go. So there's a lot of there's a lot of um, there's a lot of kind of cogs you know in the machine kind of to make. It. There's so yeah, many but factors. I think that, that yeah. would be a nice place to start. And uh, I don't know what it's like in the US, but in Australia, guys just don't dance. Like they really they really just don't. It's very very hard to get any men onto the dance floor. So it would be nice to actually have something to help facilitate that because I think that. Particularly like social dances, or as a really nice sort of innocent, chaperoned kind of environment. Oh, totally! Because you can talk by yourselves in the corner, but then it's still there's still people there, so you can like politely leave. Exactly, particularly if it's alcohol free, because then like you know that stops the temptation for guys to just huddle with their beers in the corner and not actually ask anyone to dance. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This is my vision. I don't know if other people would like it, but. <laughs> I know I've been saying this for years that I think social dancing really should come back. Um, and some parishes in LA are sort of trying that out. I don't know that any one parish mm. is doing that with any uh, really a uh, big success yeah. or anything, but, um, and even including lessons well, at the beginning, exactly. because there's, That's, you know, a lot of yeah. people here dance and it's such a huge like barrier to entry they think no, but I, it's really not I couldn't agree know? more and I mean we have balls and stuff that happen maybe like once or twice a year but the problem with them is that it ends up just being kind of like any other party where the men don't know how to dance um, a lot of the time or, or not um, not all of them obviously but the majority of them either won't know how to dance or not feel comfortable kind of getting up on the dance floor um, and so until they've had a few beers which is usually mm -hmm. like you know, far into the night and it just ends up being, and I've been to so many, I've just stopped going to these balls because I just find it a really depressing experience where you're just sitting around <laughs> wishing a guy would ask you to dance. And I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I've had some people say, oh, well, maybe girls should make the first move. I don't think that's, I don't think that should be the case because I think it really, you know, this is on the men to actually ask a girl to dance. But sometimes I have just done that because I just like, I just can't, I can't stand just sitting here waiting to be asked. So sometimes I'll just be like, hey, you want to go for a dance? And it, I just feel like a bit of a loser <laughs> you know, because I'm like, I'm a girl. I shouldn't right. be doing this. Like, why aren't the guys asking me? And the thing is, 
Like the complaint so often is like, oh, but women don't want to let men lead. No, that's so not true. We do. We really do want them to lead. <laughs> And it's like dancing is a perfect example. Like, like here's yeah. your chance. Like, if you think that all women have a problem with men leading, like, but this is why don't thing. you just I think, I think, dance and the physically? I think it's a good example. I mean, I don't want to just. I mean, this is. I don't think dancing is necessarily the solution to all the ills, but um, which is why I think a sport event would be a good idea because obviously that will be more likely to attract men mm-hmm. anyway because men are usually more into sport than women. I think that this really is indicative of a greater problem. And I, and I come back to what we said before about I understand why it is very diff- can be very difficult for men to, you know, to, to know when overstepping the mark or, you know, are they, when can they like step up to lead but not be seen as dominating or, you know, kind of contributing to the patriarchy or all the sort of stuff that I think that a lot of men are accused of doing these days. But at the end of the day, I mean, I kind of put to one side what a lot of people say in the media because I think that really if anyone who's being really honest will admit that any woman that I mean who's being really honest will admit that they actually it's actually attractive when a man can lead you and will lead you and not not in a, an aggressive way but if a man is firm yeah not like violating you yeah, exactly. or like being like tyrannical or anything but if a man actually like know, knows himself well enough to sort of put his foot down when when necessary and I mean this specifically um in a family context, like the head of the household, like when, you know, when he does put his foot down and actually you say, no, this is what's happening. This is where we're going as a family. That's actually incredibly attractive to women. It's like men kind of showing leadership is supremely attractive. And that does trickle out onto things like the dance floor as well. When, when men, because they're kind of having to be vulnerable and actually go and actually ask them, it's really appealing. But then they have to also take responsibility for themselves, you know, which I think is the yeah. other really key part of leadership is, is that I see sort of lacking is, is like I, I mentioned before, like I've seen a lot of gaslighting and that is not leadership, you know, like to make a move and then pretend like you didn't. Oh, I've had women do that to me since my article came out. Oh. Like it's been crazy. And, but I wanted I wanted to point out because Rod. So one of the reasons why this went viral is because that Rod Dreher like uh, yeah blogged about it on on the American Conservative. And one thing that I thought was so interesting, well, that first of all he had to put a disclaimer saying like I'm not going to allow comments that attack Anna's yeah, I character, know. which I was like whoa. Um, but second of all, that he published a comment from someone from a guy in LA, which was so interesting to me because I was like I wonder mm. if I know him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but um, he said uh, a lot of guys have sort of lo- lost the desire to ask women out because they feel like they have to convince uh, women that they're needed in a relationship because women are so independent. And this is something that I've been hearing from a lot of men, particularly American men, I should say. But it's yeah. so interesting because when I read that, it made me wonder if if like a bunch of singles are just talking past each other and we don't actually know the definitions of what we mean, you know, mm, because because I, I, like yeah. as a, yeah, as a single. Well, first of all, I, I will say to this anonymous man, in case he's listening, like um, that in L.A., I feel like you have to convince anybody to be in a relationship because it's just like it's so spread out and everybody is so busy that like even to get together with anybody, even your closest friends, it's hard, you know, so I don't think it's necessarily that women are 
particularly independent or whatever or don't want to be in a relationship it's just like the nature of life kind of yeah and it's, it's funny that you said it because I've had yeah because I've been wondering this as well myself because I've had a lot of guys you know say oh you know I, I really want like to go out with women like I asked them out but they're just but they they're just not interested they're just not interested in relationships like I don't know if I've ever met a woman who is not interested in a like in being in a relationship yeah. Like women are kind of borderline obsessed with, you know, this is why we watch Jane Austen and, and like Elizabeth Gaskell and stuff, you know, to like, you know, for like hours and hours on end and, and all that sort of stuff. Like we, we kind of crave that sort of thing. I mean, you would know that women love no other conversation so much as if it's to do with men and relationships. I mean, it's kind of exciting, especially when you're hearing about like, you know, what's happening with your friends. It's like how women bond. Exactly. So I, I find that quite an astonishing thing to hear that women aren't interested in relationships. And I do wonder if, I mean, I'm sure there are women out there for sure, who are maybe, um, you know, who are maybe kind of subscribed to more kind of like a worldly way of viewing the world and, and have kind of bought into a lot of that sort of feministic stuff of I don't need a man and, 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 that, and that kind of thing. Um, and maybe who, I, I don't know, I just, I find it very difficult to imagine meeting a woman who would say, who would literally say, I do not want to be in a relationship because I'm focusing on my career. I mean, to me, that just sounds like an excuse. They don't want to date this particular guy. Right. Then, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry to sound harsh, but I, I just, no, like, that just doesn't sound realistic to me. Well, I mean, I, yeah. And I, and I can only speak from my experience, but, um, you know, like in, in my experience, if I know that I'm really not interested in a guy, like I've done the whole pity date, like we talked about before, but at this point in my life, I'm kind of like, I don't really want to waste their time. And so I'm it, kind of at that point as well, to be honest. Like, yeah. I, think that, I don't know about other women, but for me, like I pretty much know immediately, like after one conversation, if there's even any potential for anything to go, I just know straight away, like if I'm going to be attracted to this person or if I'm not, and if I'm not, and particularly if I've known them, like it, what amazes me is guys I've known for like five, six, seven, eight years, sometimes asked me out maybe they've asked me out like years before and I said no or it didn't work out or whatever but then they asked me out again it's like dude I, I've known you all this time like if there was any potential for anything like something would have happened by now I can tell you I would have made sure of it <laughs> so I, I, I honestly don't know if that's like you know maybe a sort of a, a kind of like a, a the sort of desperation that on the other side of the coin that men are dealing with but yeah it's it is a kind of amazing to me that that kind of you know that 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 happens like because I think I don't, yeah, like I said, I don't know if this is just me, but I do tend to just know, like I just know it intuitively if there's a potential. And unfortunately for me, I just, I just don't get attracted to people very often at all. It just seems to be a very, right. it has to be a very, like I probably met a guy I'm actually even have any interest in whatsoever, even any mild attraction to maybe once every three to four years. Like it, it happens pretty seldom for me. And that, yeah. that's probably more of a disadvantage because I'm already in a really difficult dating situation as it is. So, um, but yeah, it, 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 it's difficult because, you know, people are saying, oh, maybe you should give some of these guys a chance. And it's like, well, maybe if, if I didn't know them so well, and I already knew whether there was a chance there or not, I would. But the thing is, we're not really meeting that many new people either. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think this kind of goes back to what we were saying before. This is why so many Catholic and Christian women, I think, are just dating outside the church. Yeah. And I mean, I think too, like that anonymous male commenter, I think the other thing is, it's like, you know, if these guys are coming in on early dates asking about egalitarianism or complementarianism, I mean, that just might not be the right way to approach it. For complementarianism, which by the way, was a, is a concept I've literally only just heard about in the last like six weeks. But no, and I think that a lot of women in the church are kind of for that. But I think the problem is, I, don't, I just think a lot of women are feel like they're not just getting met at their level. And I'm not saying that they're like, 
they're a 10 and he's a five. I'm not talking about that at all. What I'm talking about is someone you can actually have an intellectual connection with, someone you can actually meet and have a conversation with. I think it comes down to respect, really, that it's like, even if you are the kind of woman that is like, I only wear ankle length skirts. And, you know, I wear like the mantilla math. And I, you know, like, I super want a lot of the rings. And (laughs) exactly. Like, I super (laughs) want a man to lead my household. Like, if you don't feel respected, even on an intellectual level, then I mean, it's not gonna work. You know, I mean, Mm. you mean as a man or as a woman? I mean, the relationship, like, yeah, like, I, I mean, like, as, as a woman, like, I'm just saying, I think yeah. that no woman likes to feel disrespected, or like the man sees her as lesser or whatever. And so I think sometimes men, they go out and they're looking for a woman who's like, yeah, we, you know, women, wives be submissive and ever, and they have maybe a twisted idea of what that means totally oh yeah I'm really glad you touched on this actually because I think this is another really important and we sort of we sort of kind of brush over it earlier but I think that that this is another problem kind of contributing to the very big mess of problems that we're dealing with I think as a reaction to the to how demonized mass you know men have begun to you know been made to feel there, I think, has been a bit of a 180, not so much a 180 necessarily, but I think that there kind of is an overreaction against that. So much mm-hmm. so that people um, in the Catholic world, and unfortunately, particularly men, um, kind of overplay the opposite of whatever it is that is antagonizing them. And I mean, I've yeah. seen this not even just to do with dating. I mean, there definitely seems to be this sort of general consensus in the in the social circles that I hang out with in the church, where which is sort of quite opposed to things like, I mean, it ends up resulting in, in, you know, fairly outright opposition to things like, you know, taking in refugees or or whatever. And I understand where that's coming from. But then when I think about it, like, you know, taking in people who are literally fleeing from persecution is a very Christian thing. (laughs) That's like the very root, actually. Yeah, exactly. Like it happened to Jesus himself. So exactly. But because (laughs) these things have become so politicized and people, and because it's been Mm. so associated with the left, the reaction on the right is to just completely swing away from that, but to a really extreme degree that it's not healthy either. And I think that the trick with anything really, but particularly in the church and especially in the dating environment is to sort of, is to try to find a happy medium. I mean, men should be the leaders of their families. Of course, you know, God put men like as the fathers in charge of their families for a reason. Um, That's the way that it was instituted. But then there's always a tendency for men to become tyrannical. And that's a problem. I mean, and on the other side of the coin, and I think what happens a lot more these days is uh, I think a lot of men can just kind of just doff the responsibility of actually leading um, their families and kind of allow their, themselves to be dominated by their wives in a lot of cases. And I think that's a problem that both sexes are, are um, you know, are responsible for. But certainly it's not just the woman's fault just because she's dominating her husband. Like he's let her dominate her in many, in many cases. And I think that as a result of all this, someone actually commented on my blog on one post, and I do want to expand on this more in a future post, that we've come to sort of uh, this, this sort of idolization of marriage and the family that it's yes. kind of really put on a pedestal as like the be all and end all. And obviously I really want to get married. I, I do want that connection. Like it's just, it's in my heart and I, and I can't get, make it go away. It's just there. But I think we need to put things in perspective as well. Like marriage is not going to solve all your problems. It's not going to, you know, give you all the happiness and fulfillment that you desire, like very far from it. It's going to be a whole nother lot of set of problems, but it will fulfill those things in you that, you know, that I think that you're, you're yearning for at the same time. But, but there does seem to be this sort of extreme, characterization of things as a reaction against 
the sort of the culture and the world that we're living in. Does that make sense? Oh, a hundred percent. And I, actually, I'm really glad that you brought that up too, because I was going to mention that earlier as one of the things that might have contributed to this problem is the idolization of marriage and family is leading to this desperation, I think, in some ways. And yes, totally. For men and women. For both. Well. Exactly. For both. And that I think leads to some of the social awkwardness sometimes. And because then you really are seeing people as objects to just like fill in this little space that you have in your life. Yeah. And actually, this is something I was going to say earlier and I forgot to mention it. Like I want I want to do a few, I know I keep talking about my blog. I do want to do a future post on this. And, and one thing I feel like I'm always saying is, you know, for men to not treat asking a girl on a date like it's a marriage proposal. Totally. Like yeah. there is this, there is this, I keep making this word intense because I think this does characterize a lot of the attitudes that a lot of men have in the church. There is this intensity around things like, and I think it comes from this idolization of marriage and the family around things just like asking a girl on a date. Honestly, the fact that men are building up themselves over quite literally years just to ask a girl on a date, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's kind of disordered. You know, that's, yeah. I think that that's not the way that things are meant to be. I mean, you can argue about dating and courtship and, and the whole thing. I think that's a whole sort of separate issue. But if, if you are, I mean, like realistically, I think we do have to sort of have some sort of dating process in order to meet people to see if they're suitable as marriage partners. But often it can take like an enormous effort for men to even in the church particularly. And I think this is kind of what you were talking about before, where men outside the church seem to be a little more chilled about this whole thing to mm-hmm. even ask a girl on a date. Like they kind of treat it like it's the end of the world if she says no. and. I mean, so that's, that's already kind of revealing sort of like a, like a, a sort of like a social maladjustment mm-hmm. that is not going to really help you at all. But also, and I don't know exactly where that comes from, but I think this is, yeah, part of the, part of the, uh, one of the many factors contributing to the whole problem. And I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't really know what to do about that because obviously I'm not a man, but um, I do <laughs> wish that there was, I wish that, I do wish that people treated asking girls on dates like with less intensity and seriousness. Because at the end of the day, it's just a date. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Right. Right. But often girls that I talk to aren't even being asked out. And so they, they feel like they're getting no. Like I have some friends who have quite literally never been asked out in their lives on a single date. And they're not by any stretch of the imagination undesirable. But it's but it just seems to be this kind of symptomatic of the, of the Catholic culture where they're just not asking um, girls out. Yeah. No, totally. A hundred percent. I, it's, and it's, it's. Asking girls out and also not taking it like as a yeah as a statement of you personally if you get rejected and you know and also really I mean because early dating is yeah. I think where you do gain a lot of those social skills and you know there are skills that you build up so it's not like that means that you are hopeless mm. if you get rejected or, you know, like it really means something about your character or you, yeah. you, some defect personally or whatever. Totally. Like sometimes you just need to practice skills and, you know, it's, it's just one of those things when you get to know about yourself and you get to know about other people, but you also have to have a little bit of an open mind and be open to learning and growing. And I think this goes both ways as well, because I think that these are skills that both sexes need to learn. Unfortunately, or fortunately, however you take it, the onus is on men to do the asking out. And I think that it is just unrealistic to say, oh, but women, maybe more women should ask men out, because I think we all know that if a man isn't interested enough in a girl to ask her on a date, then it's probably not going to work anyway, because that just seems to be what experience has shown us. Like, 
that that keenness needs to be driven more by a man for the relationship to work out. Um, and if men aren't actually asking girls out, then I mean, or if they then they're not going to if they're too if they're letting themselves be too scared to ask girls out, then they're not actually gaining those same skills that they need to actually have a successful relationship sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, not the case with everyone because some people, you know, ask a girl out and that ends up being the person they marry and maybe it's the first person they've ever asked out and that's great. But for, but because I think that we don't have a lot of social structures that used to be in place when that was more of a normal thing, like because there is such a, such an issue with like men absent from their families' lives and, um, and because our culture has become so fragmented and, and, you know, through things like contraception and no-fault divorce and all the rest, it is harder um, to actually create those connections. But I think that that's probably why there actually needs to be more of an effort or more practice on the part of men um, in some cases, not with all of them, obviously, but in some cases, yeah, in order to be able to actually kind of gain those skills that would make them more perhaps desirable as marriage partners. I feel like I just ranted for a really long time then. (laughs) no it's okay yeah or desirable even just as like conversation partners (laughs) and people or even just as people (laughs) exactly I mean it's not even just necessarily about dating it's just like it'd be nice I mean I wouldn't I I I wouldn't date someone I couldn't have a conversation with I also wouldn't be friends with that person either I mean you know you need that sort of basic level there just to be able to connect on any level whether it's romantic or uh, or platonic so uh I do want you to so in case people want to look up your blog uh can you tell us where to find it uh, yeah i've been plugging it very hard this whole time um, <laughs> it is agonyandhope.com so that's agonyandhope all one word um dot com so yeah so i just this um just off the back of you know having clearly a, a very raw nerve in a lot of different circles uh and i felt that to that end of what I originally wrote the article for, which was to um, start a conversation, I, I thought it would be a good idea to um, just kind of keep writing about this stuff and just to invite comments and, um, yeah, see what comes out of it, I guess. Yeah, no, I love it. Actually, I was perusing some of the articles and I think um, I love anything that is just opening the door to these conversations that really need to be had. I mean, I know from the feedback we've gotten with this podcast is like there really aren't very many outlets that are having these discussions and they are hard to have mm. and often they do result in yeah, like they're not fun sometimes yeah it, yeah I really hate it especially because what I saw in response to your article I really really hate it when these conversations just evolve into like well men do this well women do this well men do this well yeah, women, you know it's degree. like well that's really not helping anybody <laughs> you know no, this is not this is not the conversation that I wanted to start like this actually needs to be a productive discussion and the thing is people it's hard on the internet, I admit. Like, yeah. uh, you know, I'm, in a way, I'm sort of inviting this by putting it on the internet because everyone's a keyboard warrior. You know, people are so much more willing to say things through the safety of being behind a computer screen than what they would ever, you know, attempt to say in real life, which I've discovered because a few people I know personally have said some not very nice things about mm. me, about what I've written, but they're all smiles to my face, you yeah. know, when I see them in person. So, um, but, you know, that aside, I do feel it's important to actually be facilitating this discussion. I know it's going to kind of bring in the good with the bad, mm-hmm. but I still think it's really important to be talking about these things. And it's funny how, like, I mean, it's the blog's only been up for a couple of weeks, but it is interesting how the even the people who are commenting have just sort of become, or the uh, or the comments themselves have become like gradually less feral. 
<laughs> like I'm not sure if it's because I'm sort of more the more I'm writing maybe I'm kind of dispelling a lot of the misinterpretations and mischaracterizations that people have sort of formed about me and, and, and what I'm trying to say um, or if they've just sort of lost interest aren't commenting anymore but it is nice that the comments that are happening are actually becoming um, not only more fruitful and more um, mature, but they're actually providing fodder for future posts. So it's really nice. So, for example, recently, I think you mentioned this earlier, um, I, I, I read a post on the sort of things that I am looking for in a man and how I'm preparing mm-hmm. myself, you know, for marriage by by trying to inculcate in myself those same kind of virtues. And then I asked, I sort of put the question up to the men, like, what are you looking for in a woman? Like, what virtues are most appealing to you? And then I was able to use all the responses that I got from that in a in a, like a, in another post of like this is actually mm-hmm. what men are, men are saying that they want, um, and uh, and I think it's and I, I just think that's nice to be able to do that because that actually is facilitating discussion and and I mean and I, I don't exactly know where all this is going to end up and I'm kind of curious to see it. No, that's awesome. Yeah, it's nice that there is actual hope, as in the title yeah. of your blog. There is actual hope. <laughs> There is, and it's funny because, like, I went through a period recently. I mean, I had a pretty rough, rough uh, year. Like, the last twelve months was was pretty difficult for many reasons, and uh, and I went to some pretty dark places um, during that year. But I, you know, I, I, but I was able to be brought out of it, you know. Um, and uh, and I think that if I hadn't gone through that, if I hadn't really felt like I, you know, if I hadn't really tasted despair, I guess I didn't. I, you know, I wouldn't really understand not only how valuable hope actually is and how powerful it is but also I I wouldn't have been able to write what I did because because I've kind of been there and I've had to sort of reassess and reevaluate my life and really for me what it comes down to is acceptance I mean and trust um I've gone through a very interesting journey with my relationship with God over the last few years um but I mean like but I think that one thing I can really say about all that is it has been one whole big it has been one big old process of trust um, where I feel that God mm. has really been drawing me along and, and testing me and putting me in situations where I've really just had to sort of just put all of my trust in him and just hope that it's all going to turn out all right. And, and, it, and it really, really has. And it's wonderful to be on the other side of things now and to sort of see, you know, I feel like there's more purpose and, and hope in my life now particularly. But um, being able to share that I think was really wonderful gift for me. And um, and I'm even though there were some bad experiences that led to that, I'm very grateful to have gotten there and, be able to share that with other people and really at the end of the day like what I wrote was really just about having hope like don't give up even if you don't end up getting married it's maybe that's just it's not the end of the world like maybe you will actually be happier um and I hope that women who want to get married do get married and for men as well and I, I really hope that I get married one day but I think that I've mm-hmm. I've stopped yeah. struggling and fighting against what I thought my life should look like and started to accept what it actually is like and I think that that's kind of the real take-home message of um of what I want yeah. to say and I think that's so important. Um, and I mean, especially like as Catholic women, it, sometimes it feels like we've failed and you're, you're look at your life and you're like, God, like, did I let you down or like yeah, what happened? Like, you like, you know, <laughs> yeah. But also like we have so many examples in the saints that like they did things in a totally unconventional way. And people at the time thought they were mm. nuts <laughs> and, Saint Francis. you know, and so it, yeah and and so it's like i i'm constantly having to remind myself that you know maybe not doing things in a conventional way 
doesn't mean that I failed or I've let God down or or God is punishing me or whatever. It's just that like, this is the way that things are. And, you know, I don't want to go into marriage until God sees that I'm ready, you know? And so it's like, whatever is happening in my life, you know, (laughs) like maybe my life is just not going to look the way that it, that, I thought that it should look or the way that other people think that it should look. Um, But maybe it's my journey that I need to go on. You know, I I don't know. Totally right. And I mean, just on that note, um, like I think I've been saying that for years, like God in your time, not in my time. Like I really want things to happen in your time, but I don't think I really meant it when I was praying it until very recently. Like I was saying, Oh God in your time, but I really, uh, the way I was acting was like, no, 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 actually my time. (laughs) But could your time be right now? (laughs) Yeah. Like as long as the time is like, you know, like in the next three months, you know, um, and I think that I, and I think I, I caused myself so much unnecessary pain and suffering and stress because I was kind of trying to force a situation that I had no control over to happen. And I was kind of despairing yeah. because it wasn't turning out the way that I wanted it to. And, um, but I think because ultimately I was fighting against God's will and, uh, and, and fighting against, yeah, like I said, where my life actually was at. And, um, and it has been like a lot harder, you know, than I thought it was going to be. And things don't look the way that I imagined, but it's actually okay. Like it's, that's the thing, like, you know, it can be so easy, I think, to sort of just despair. And, and for women, when they get that chance of like, there is that temptation, I think, to, to think that if I don't take this chance now, I might never have another one. Like I need to get married now. And this is, and this is my chance. And, and if, and if that means kind of turning your back on God or, or doing something that would compromise your morals or your beliefs, then I just don't think that can be the right decision. And I just, I, I, I really hope that, you know, um, that if anything that I say touches anyone or has any effect whatsoever, it's to, you know, it's to sort of remind someone, some woman or even some man who might be struggling um, about that. I think that's just, it's an eternal truth that we all kind of need to remind ourselves of. Yeah. Well, this has been really lovely. Thank you so much for connecting. <laughs> Thank you so much. No, this has been really fun. Like, uh, I hope I, I hope I haven't spoken too quickly for your American listeners to be able to understand me. I know I have a tendency to do that. <laughs> I'm constantly being called up about it. I speak more slowly, but um, no, this has been really nice to be have a, to have a chance to actually sort of you know, um, explain things and you know and to talk about it because I think it is an important thing that we should be talking about. Oh, a hundred percent. And I know. I mean, I'm just sure that uh, our listeners, if you like our podcast so far, are just going to love this conversation. Um, and if people want to contact you, is there a way that they can do that? Yeah. Um, so they can email me. So if you go onto my blog, um, and I'd love it if you subscribed, just like disclaimer there. But if you go onto my blog, there is a contact form. But if you just want to email me straight, um, the email address is Anna at agonyandhope.com. So just like the the web address is all one word. Awesome. And it sounds like, you know, you're getting, you're kind of forming a nice like little digital community. And so people can get in and be part of the conversation. Yeah. That's a nice way of thinking about it. Please be part of the conversation. I'm really open to suggestions. I've been having a few um, emails drop into my inbox the last few days of people saying, Oh, can you please talk about this? Or can you give some direction on this? And, and I, I, I absolutely love that. Like, please like flood me with your suggestions. I really do want to talk about what people actually want to talk about and what they feel like they're not hearing from, from, from other people or from other sources. So yeah, hit me up. Awesome. 
Well, thank you so much. I, I'm just, I can't wait for everybody to, to get in and go discover your blog. <laughs> and send yeah. You and I'm excited to subscribe to yours and, and like to your podcast and hear more of what you've got, what you've got on here. It's been great. Oh, <laughs> oh yes, please do. <laughs> thank you for listening to our podcast. This has been another episode of Fishers of Men. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, please email us at fishersofmenpodcast at gmail.com or find us on our website at fishersofmenpodcast.com. We are also on Facebook under Fishers of Men. Follow us on Twitter at at LA Gone Fishing or on Instagram at Fishers of Men Podcast. There is an underscore after each word. Please also remember to rate and make comments on iTunes if you feel so inclined. It's really important so that other people can discover our podcast. I'm Laura Sanders. I'm Mary Asher Burton. Until next time.